Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Everybody say, breathe on me. How many really need Jesus to breathe on you? I know that I do. To breathe on me. Over the past two, three months now, we've been speaking on that subject, breathe on me. And the foundation and the premise of this series has been the Holy Spirit to motivate God's people again to desire to want to walk in step with the Spirit. You will agree with me, ladies and gentlemen. All you have to do is open your eyes and look just a little bit around and you will find that there has been a certain forgetfulness of Him even in our churches. There's been a forgetfulness of Christ. There's been a forgetfulness of moving and walking and doing things according to the Spirit. Oh, yeah, in this world today, everybody says people need the Lord. And by the actions that we see around in our world, we know that people, I guess, are trying to, to prove their desire to reach out uh, with people by writing literature and seminars and building institutes and churches and every corner and all these things. But my question to you, as you see the world spiraling downward, you can only ask this question, is it working? Is your Christianity working? Is the fact that you are saved, that you know the key to heaven, that you found the Savior of your soul, that you profess to have the power that is with me. Oh, greater is he who is in me than he is in the world. Is it really working in your life? I know that this is not a shout-me-down sermon. And I'm glad I'm not running for re-election. The church doesn't even like to hear that anymore. Because it's the pastor's job. It's the Sunday school teacher's job. It's the children's minister's job. It's the uh, young adult minister's job to go and beg people to come in. No, what happened to you? You're part of the equation. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's not even my sermon this morning. Holy Spirit, move. God wants to wake his church up. God wants to wake us up. He wants to take us beyond singing a song and doing that Christian two-step. It means nothing to God if your heart is far away from him. He's had problems like this in the past uh, when he said to his people, Oh, they worship me with lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Oh, it seems like we're living in a revolving world. It's a cycle. There's a time of revival and there's a time of deadness in the church. How many know that God has ordained a time of revival, but the time of deadness is always in the past? When we speak of revival, we need to be careful with that term. Why? Because to be revived is to know that you were dead. <laughs> That's why I don't go to revivals. I don't go to revivals. I don't need to be woken up again. I'm alive today. 
I don't need to be resuscitated because I know that Jesus is in my heart. I'm full with the Spirit of the Lord, and I'm ready for the Lord's coming now if he wants to. Hallelujah. But God wants to wake his church up. And with all the Jesus we profess to have in the house of God, in these temples, in these venues, we now call churches. And still we see a world spinning on its way to hell. You have to ask yourself with some responsibility, is it working? Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. And if it's not, why is it not? Why aren't our children running to the altars and getting saved? Why aren't our husbands on running to the altar and getting saved? Why are not our wives? Why are not our friends? Why are not our neighborhoods? Why are not our fellow peers at work? Why are not they not asking like they did outside the upper room when they spoke to Peter and the rest? What must we do to be saved? Why? That's what we've been talking about. Why? Why the failings of the church? I heard a man say one time, the reason that this world is in turmoil today is not because sin has arisen and it's gotten worse. No, it's because the church has failed. I hope it's not the last time you come to Rock of Ages. It's not because the devil has come up with other great ideas on how to perverse the people. It's not because young people are just crazier this generation. Oh, what crazy young people. Oh, these guys are for real on their way to hell. Look at all the things they come up with. No, 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 no. Stop the blame game. That began in the garden, remember? Should we just sing another song and go home? The day of excuses begin in the garden. It's the woman you gave me. Adam! And the church today is... It's what he's doing. No, 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 no. It's what you have not done. We are proving the words of Christ unfaithful because he said that the gates of hell would not prevail. Is Jesus lying? Is he unfaithful? Is his word powerless? Or have we failed? Oh, I'm wondering if you're going to walk out of this church today and go like, wow, that was nice. Well, forget that. But I pray that the Lord sear your heart to the innermost parts of your heart today. And rebirth conviction in the hearts of the church. Bring conviction and rebirth conviction in the hearts of pastors today. That every word that he has spoken is faithful and true. And if it does not work, it's not because he has failed.
And so we ask ourselves, and we've been asking ourselves these past several weeks, why? And we've determined in Scripture, it teaches us that there is one working element that was given to us to be able to do the things we've tried for years to do ourselves. Oh, we're coming up with excellent programs. We come up with excellent musicianship and great singers and all these things, but we're failing. Why? Because we are losing out on connecting and having a relationship with the working agent of God. And that is His Holy Spirit. You know, things have been happening and things are changing even amongst your lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How many have received a miracle since this series began? Ah, 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 ah. Things are happening. I'm expecting every hand to go up before this is over. I don't care if it takes every last breath and you have to pick me up here and go put me in a hole somewhere. But I'm going to preach this to you until you get it. Because this will save your life. This will guarantee your journey. How many are waiting for that journey? How many are waiting for the journey? This will guarantee that you won't miss your way. You won't have a layout or you won't be able to, you won't be held back in Dallas. You'll go straight into the presence of the Lord if you'll just learn once again to reconcile with the only one that knows the way. We've been asking a lot of people how to get to heaven, and nobody knows the way. But there is one who knows the way. And isn't it surprising, isn't it absolutely out of mind in our craziness to ask everybody but the one who knows? It's kind of like men sometimes. Driving through a city you don't know and your wife says, well, just stop and ask for, shut up. I don't need directions. I know how to get around. And three hours later, you're going like, oh, I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> hey, how do you get to this place? I'll turn here, turn there, I walk on. Did you ask anybody? No. It's that stubbornness, it's that Christianity that says, I know it all. That's a bad Christianity. Don't ever be a Christian like that. A know-it-all Christian. You know nothing. I said, you know nothing. You know nothing except the wisdom he gives you. And we need to relocate ourselves with him. Ah, we've been talking about him. Let me talk about him a little bit. Uh, last week, I think it was, or sometime when I was up here, I spoke to you about the importance of establishing that intimate relationship with him and how we learned by the Lord and his grace to know him, the Lord, by names. And I gave you some names that I pray you've learned. And so it's been with the spirit of the Lord. He also allows us names in scripture that we might be able to relate to him in a more level, horizontal fashion. You see, because he's too vast for us but it's beautiful isn't it that the bible says that he makes the simple understand 
But we want to speak all these revelatory terms and stuff. We know absolutely nothing. And God knows that. So he speaks to us in very special, simple terms. And he gives himself names that we understand, that we might understand more who he is. We learned last week he is called the Spirit. Say the Spirit. John 7 and 38 was the platform verse that we use for this particular point, And it reads as follows. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the spirit. Now, I taught you last week that by him being called the spirit, it reveals two specific, very important things about the Holy Spirit. And one, it reveals his divine composition. It tells us what he is made of. He is spirit. And you might say, big deal, he is spirit. But no, that means so much. That absolutely separates him from anything that is terrestrial and material and earthly. That just like God who is spirit, the Bible says in John 4 and 24, that God is spirit. You cannot see God. That means he is completely separate from that which is man-made. You cannot confine him in something earthly. Anything material, he is pure and perfect just as the Lord our God is. And so we learned that about him last week. Of how separated he is from us trying to contaminate him all oh, uh, he's made of this or the other. No, 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 no. He is unlike anything. He has no connection to this world in materialness. He has no filth in his person. He is perfect and pure. Secondly, the fact that he is spirit reveals his mode of operation. That is how he does things. Because he is spirit, you don't see him. But yet he moves things. He moves in the spirit. It, it, it identifies him uh, simply as this. He is uh, invisible, yet he is life-giving. As I mentioned to you last week in Scripture, we find the wind and all these things that metaphors given to us normally refer by double reference to the spirit of the Lord. And so we know that when Jesus spoke of the wind and the breath and all these things, he was making reference to the very spirit of him. Life-giving, invisible yet life-giving. John 3 and 7, you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. And this thing is right here. This next verse is so beautiful. I got a chance to minister to my good friend of mine that I had not seen in 30 years. Last night we had dinner. Jesus said the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born in the spirit. Remember we spoke about the upper room last week. How many have been shaking the throne room of God in violence? I said, how many have been shaking the throne room in violence? 
I have a very good friend of mine that I've known for over 40 years. He called me, and he's from Katy. And, and I don't know if he's watching, but Joe and Penny, we love you. But he is in need of a kidney transplant. And I had not seen him in a long time, and he called me. He was in town because his brother died in Harlingen. And my wife and I decided that we would drive over there. Instead of having them come to our home, we drove over there for the sake of him not getting tired and, and them not getting tired. We took him out to dinner, and we had a really good time. But he was speaking to us about his need. He's wired up, and, and, and uh, it's a difficult thing you, uh, to understand what kind of difficulty it is for an individual that is suffering of, of kidney failure and, and he's having to suffice his needs other ways and it's just not life it seems like and like me and, and maybe like you because you're so kind of uh, overburdened by this thing because it's been years now he's now it t it takes his dialysis machine wherever he goes and it's heartbreaking and he says things that I'm familiar with. He said, you know what, Israel? He said, I'm tired. I'm tired. And it broke our hearts, my wife and I, to hear him say, I'm tired. I get frustrated. I don't want to take my pills anymore. And his wife is going like, tell him to take his pills. He, he, he. And I'm sitting there and I'm going through everything that I've been through, through my liver and everything else. And I understand tired. And I understand words like I don't want to live anymore like this. Uh, I understand living with cirrhosis this way and suffering the way the body that you want. You don't want to take 14, 15 pills in the morning and in the evening. You don't want to be drugged out in the day. You don't want these things to cause depression on you, to give you evil thoughts and say, I can finish this in a moment's time. It's heartbreaking. And he spoke to me. And I sat there and I was wrestling with who I am and where I am at in this whole situation. But then the Lord reminded me of what we preached about last week. Ah, oh, I said, Joe. <laughs> oh, Joe, Joe, Joe. I said, I don't know. They can't find anything for me. And uh, they can't. I'm not. I'm on an inactive list. And they're not planning to do. Ah, and I'm resisting this. And I'm going, you know what? There is a, a kidney for you. <laughs> the problem is that you don't want it that bad. And I had to speak to his heart this way because I had to shake him out from the very pit of hell of depression. To pull him out from the very pit of hopelessness and say, there is hope. You have to be hungry. Let me tell you about the violence of the Holy Spirit. What that means. And he resists the opposition. When God wants to give you something, the devil wants to stop it. But in the Spirit of the Lord... Oh, and I reminded him of that verse in Corinthians where it says in the day of John the Baptist, uh, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence. I said, I'm angry now. Even though my heart is broken, I'm angry now. Because just like you, I've said too, I don't want to live anymore. Just like you, I said, there is no hope for me. This is bound to take me, so take me now. Ah. But then the Lord spoke to me. 
And I was speaking to his heart, his eyes watered. And I saw hope begin to fill. I said, you will get a kidney, my friend. Ha, ha, ha. This is not hopeful talking. This is not, I hope it goes well with you. I'm telling you, you will get news. You will get a kidney, my friend. I said, I'm going to shake the throne room. But I am challenging you to shake the throne room. There is a spirit. The only way we can speak to God is through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the only language. Ladies and gentlemen, please learn today that the only language that God understands between you and him is the language of the Spirit of the Lord. The only language he understands. And the church needs to once again begin to pray in the spirit. The church again needs to begin to witness in the spirit. The church again needs to begin to preach in the spirit. Every program... I'm not saying they're bad. It's all good. But they all have to be organized and resting on the Spirit. So that our children will be saved. Our young people will get set on fire. And the altars people can come and be transformed in the presence of the Lord. Why? Because this is ordained of the Spirit of the Lord. He hugged me. He hugged my wife as his, as his wife did. And they thanked us. They thanked us. She said, thanks for coming, man. He's been a Christian a long time. He's a Baptist brother. And as I was speaking to him, his wife would hit him. He goes, you see? You see? You see? You see? And he was galvanized to my face. And, and I said, God has a liver for you. You think the throne room is empty of kidneys? You think God in his toolbox has no kidneys? Really? He's not your corner mechanic. He's not that guy around the corner who hopes he can fix something. You think there is no healing in his throne room? Ha! You think when he said, be still and know that I'm God, you think he was nervous or had an identity crisis? Everybody's trying to find themselves in this world. I, I have to go find myself. God has no trouble finding himself. He knows exactly who he is. He said, I am that I am that I am that I am that I am. Who shall I say you are, God. Who shall I say you are? Oh, make no mistake. I know who I am. Were you there when I created the heavens? Were you there when I created the planets? Were you there when I gave every song a, a word, a song to sing? Were you there when I planted every star in its sockets? Where were you? Don't ask me if I have a problem. No, I have no gender identity crisis. You stinking lying devil. You stinking lying devil. I get nauseous at the junk that idiot devil is coming up with today. And how sad that many in this generation are going. 
Oh, Christians, listen to me. You ain't never seen a pastor get mad. But you better stay away from that junk. You better stay away from that junk. You better stay away from all that political junk that's out there. And you better keep your eyes on Jesus. You better make sure you're bridled by Jesus. God is not connected to these earthly devils. He is spirit. He is pure and he is holy. And he's waking this church up to shake his throne room again. Yes, there is a kidney for my brother. And there is healing for you in this house. There's salvation for your family. Enough is enough. We've been lied to. We've been learned more to appease the devil's acts in our life. We've been learned how to medicate the things that the devil has placed upon us. It's time to let the vengeance and the violence of the Spirit of the Lord resist the opposition and break through. You wonder sometimes. I'm never going to finish this series. You wonder sometimes. Why in the upper room? Would the scripture say, then the sound of a mighty, violent, rushing wind? What was happening in that upper room that he had to be violent? Well, probably nothing because he honored the place with his presence. There was harmony. There were all these good things. But we cannot dismiss what was going on on the outside. We cannot dismiss what's going around the upper room. What were people saying? These guys are stoned. These guys are drunk. These guys have had too much wine. I know these guys. The devil was marching around the upper room. Ah, ill-talking and speaking and saying these people are crazy in the upper room. And so the Lord in his violence and his opposition strength tore through that and he found his people and I'm here to tell somebody it doesn't matter what's going on around you God's gonna find you God's gonna break through he's gonna bring you out he's gonna restore you it doesn't matter if your friends don't believe you or oh, you've been going too much to church or oh, you've been reading your Bible too much or oh, you're telling everybody about Jesus people are around you they're swarming around you they're saying all these things around you trying to stop Ah, oh, but the Bible says that he's like a mighty warrior. Ah, you know, I don't know how many of you may remember Diana Ross. <laughs> oh, you. Yes, sir, we're getting spiritual here. There used to be a song that used to say, ain't no mountain high enough. Don't sing it. <laughs> ain't no river wide enough to keep me away from you, babe. 
that should have been written about the Holy Spirit. Because there's no mountain high enough. There's no valley deep enough. There is no river wide enough to keep him from getting to you. To keep him from finding you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God wants to wake his church up. Hi, what was I saying? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, somebody needs to worship him. Something's going on in this house. Uh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Something's happening in this house. Uh, be sensitive to the move of the Lord. Be sensitive. Hey! Hey, wake up. Oh, this is the time. This is the church that Christ is coming for. He is preparing us for that moment. Jesus is coming soon. If you do not recognize that, look around beyond the walls of this venue and you will see how the devil has lost his shame and is doing everything he can to destroy the very foundation of our faith. Ah, if we've ever needed the Spirit of the Lord, it is now. Mm, oh, hallelujah. The Holy Spirit. Ah, let me give you a little bit more, yes? Yes, just one more, and I uh, will continue. Ah, sit down for a second. You're exciting me too much. Uh, he's called the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I said he's called the Holy Spirit. Not only is he spirit, but he is a Holy Spirit. Luke 11 and 13 says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit. Everybody say holy. Say holy. Give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask for it. Mm, he is called the Spirit that is God's Spirit. And to increase and further build up the level of his worth and his equality to God and how reverence he is to be, he is identified as holy. Holy. And this says so much to us. Ladies and gentlemen, this will keep you away from receiving anything from God. It will keep you away from answered prayer. It will keep you away from healing. It will keep you away from a walk that is victorious in the presence of the Lord. If you fail to recognize that he is a Holy Spirit. Ah, he's not a dirty spirit. Mm -mm -mm -mm. And the fact that he is holy Gives us two things. I could give you more, but I'll give you two today for the sake of time. 
it speaks to us of his divine nature. His divine nature. He is distinguished. He is separate. He's not like you and me. Mm -mm. He's not like me, certainly. Mm. He is holy. If he was like me, then he'd be made out of flesh. But we just determined he is spirit. He has nothing with the mortal and material. And he is holy, and I am man, and I am a man of many frailties and shortcomings. So he cannot be like me. He might be like you, but not like me. Revelations 15 and 4 reads as follows: Who will not fear you, O Lord? Mm, please listen. Stop texting. Stop talking to your neighbor. Listen. Who will not fear you, O Lord? And bring glory to your name. <laughs> For you alone are holy. You see, unless you recognize the holiness of him, you will neither fear him nor neither will you be able to give him glory. Don't you ever for a minute be fooled into believing this little lie that pastors, because they're looking for their celebrity, oh, come as you want, and oh, he's just a get-along chump, and I'm telling you what, he's your lovey-dovey daddy, and come and listen to me. You have more reverence for the mayor of this city if he walked into this place. I promise you, if you were wearing t-shirt and shorts, you'd go home and change because you had someone of authority in this house. Yet when the king of glory walks in, you walk up here with your skirts all the way up to your waist. You walk in here with your pants all the way down to your knees. You walk over here just disrespectful in all these things. He is holy. He is holy. <laughs> and unless you recognize the fact that he is holy, you'll never fear him or glorify him. Remember what the scripture says? That no one speaking by the spirit says Jesus is cursed or Jesus is Lord. And so that will tell you that the conversation that we have will be by the spirit of the Lord. And unless you recognize that the spirit of the Lord is not mortal like you and I, but is holy, that will call you and demand of you to begin to live holy lives that he might be able to speak in you and speak through you and speak to him. You see the connection? Now you wonder why so much answered prayer, unanswered prayer. You wonder why when we speak, there's no power behind it. Are you speaking because of your intellect? That's foolishness to God. But you could say three, four, five words in the spirit. And you'll see a sinner become a saint. But it's determining he is holy. And so I'm going to finish with this, and let's see how your shouting goes. I wish I had a shouting measurer here. 
if anything that you learn about his holiness will teach you to fear blasphemy. We live in a blasphemous world today. And sometimes the church in its foolishness, sometimes Christians in their foolishness, ignore the fact of his holiness and they speak blasphemous words using his name, using who he is. We'll sit there and we'll laugh about jokes of him. Oh, but if you have a Muslim walk in and you speak about Allah, they'll take you outside and hang you. Huh? Yeah, nobody speaks anything about Allah. Nothing. You say something like that, he gets around to some one of these mosques, they'll come and find you at home and they'll hang you out to dry. You can't draw anything blasphemous about Allah because they will indeed go find you and speak or do something to you. Oh, but you can speak against God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and they will come a day for those who blaspheme and disrespect the person of his holiness. That you wouldn't wish that the best thing you got was hanging. Because there is an unquenchable burning flame waiting for those who speak blasphemous words against him. Now, please, don't hate the messenger. Talk to him. You got a problem? Matthew 12 and 32, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. You can say Jesus all you want. You can speak about God and put, give him a blast name. And still, in their generosity and their mercy, they'll say, I can put up with that. It's all right, you're ignorant. You're dumb as a rock speaking like that, but go ahead. Oh, God, this. Oh, Jesus. Jesus Christ. Jesus. Oh, for good Lord, Jesus Christ. And you can speak and say all these things, and yet in their mercy, they'll listen and they'll refrain. Oh. But not so with one. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. Oh, nobody's shouting. Mark 3.29, but whosoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. Nowhere in the Bible are we spoken of unpardonable sins except here. This is why people have trouble understanding, oh, that guy is a pedophile, that guy is a murderer, he killed 30 people, and yet at the end of his day, he said, Jesus, forgive me. Be Lord of my life, forgive me of all my sin. And though they disagree, because God's word is true, that guy will go to heaven. You remember the three thieves or the, 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 the three crosses and the penitent thief? From that moment, he said, Today you will be with me in paradise. And so people have an argument and say, How possible? That guy deserves to go. Well, I agree that every one of us deserves to go to hell. But not those who call upon the name of Jesus, whether you agree or not.
not those that call upon the name of Jesus. And so in the scriptures, we find no place of unpardonable sins. But here. And there's a lot for me to explain on this. And I almost regret having jumped into it right now because there's so much for you that you need to understand. But the Lord has made it possible for us to see redemption and forgiveness in His mercy even when we speak unruly and ungodly in the name of Jesus and God Himself. But not the Holy Spirit. You see, when you grieve the Holy Spirit, you've lost all communication with God. You lost all godly direction. So hell is the only place you're going to find without having a steering wheel. You don't want to drive your life in this world? Don't drive it. You'll end up in hell. Hell is one place people don't need a steering wheel. Just let it go and you'll hit it. But if you need to go to heaven, you need him to steer you up there. And if you grieve him and you speak against him and you're blasphemous against him, you grieve him and he walks away. Remember the scripture in Isaiah we began to read as a platform when the word of God himself says, I became an enemy to him. Because they vexed him, they hurt him, they broke him. And so from the one who used to give them victories and overcoming, all of a sudden the very bow that protected them was now them. The friend has become a foe. And so when you vex the Holy Spirit, when you break his heart, you lose everything godly. There's nothing of, I don't care how much you jump, jump and run and overfuse whatever you want to do. If you have grieved him, you're a clashing symbol at the ears of God. You've lost all godly direction. You can neither speak to him. You can neither pray to him. You can neither witness of him. You can neither expect of him. You can neither follow him. You can neither anything of him. This is why it's the unpardonable sin. It's because there is no pardon for you when you lose sight of him. The only one that was left when Jesus went was him. And isn't he the one that Jesus said he will lead you to all truth? Sister May, is that what he said? He will remind you of everything I've said. In other words, he is the atlas that you need. I'm going to go to the Father. You're going to stay here, but don't move from this place until we clothe you with the compass. Because this compass will direct you directly to the Father. It will bring you directly to me. But do not break that compass because once you do, you will end up in the middle of the woods going in circles and find yourself dead away from God. He is called, ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit because He is to be revered as such. I'm giving you great warning today. I know, I, I told you, you wouldn't vote for me again. 
I told you you're not going to go and hang on my neck over here where I stand. I know that. Some of you will are hiding your feet under your view. But I'm giving you life-saving information. You need to revere him. Because in this service right now, we need him. If you have a prayer in the presence of the Lord, you need him. If you need comfort, you need him. If you need healing, you need him. If you need joy, you need him. If you need life, you need him. The Holy Spirit. Where is he in your life? Where is he in your life? This is what the people of Israel were asking. Where is he who led us through the desert? Where is he who gave us all these victories? Where is he? I don't sense him anymore. How long has it been since you've sensed the presence of him? Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.